welcome to episode 27 of the Bullock Podcast. I'm Marsha Links Quayley, and with me, as always, is Ursula Lindsay, and we are recording from Rabat, Morocco, where today we're going to talk a little bit about the International Prize for Arabic Fiction shortlist, which recently came out. Um, some about Tunis, about Algerian literature and translation, and where do you start with Arabic literature? Yeah, we want to, you know, get that sorted and out of the way at the <laughs> at the top at the top of the show because I'm sure it won't take long, <laughs> and then and then we'll move on to some news. Um, but so this this question, where do you start with Arabic literature, came up. For you once again recently because I was I was on another podcast called Reading Glasses talking about Bullock and one of the questions they asked me was where so where does someone start with Arabic literature? And when I Googled it I found that actually I had written responses to this question um, periodically throughout the years. I'm sort of famous in my own mind for forgetting things that I've written. But I went and approached the question all afresh all over again, since that's the positive thing about the sort of amnesia that I have. Um, <laughs> in the moment in this podcast, I, I believe I just sort of, uh, 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 well, you know, where do you start with, with you know, a 1500-year uh, literary tradition? Uh, do I just recommend something that came out last week in this kind of way that we always fixate on what is absolutely new and once something's been released more than a month well forget it it's not fresh anymore we can't talk about it um which is you know i think 90 percent of the coverage out there or do i you know so not that approach then that well i like not- i do like that approach because okay oh, I- I, since i have a terrible memory i do remember oh well uh, of the books i've read so far in 2019 they're pretty fresh in my memory I think the la- one of the last great books that you really liked is a totally valid way, I mean, is one of the many totally valid ways to answer that question. Right. I mean, you know. Right. So because I, because I realized that I've been stymied by this question so often, it is a question that people ask, hey, here I am, um, whatever, Sam Wainwright, uh, living in Buffalo, New York, um, and I, I've, I've, I, I am a bibliophile. I read whatever widely, but I've never read Arabic literature and translation. Where do I, where do I start? I mean, actually, I think you know part of the question is you don't need to start. It's not like a separate universe that you need a particular point of entry into. It's just books like other books. But I did so. I did put it on Twitter as a sort of a survey, um, you know, classical sort of pre-modern classic like Muttanabi or uh, Malakat or, you know, the foundations of Arabic literature or, uh, or a Mafuz era classic. You know, they only allow you four, four choices. Uh, something very new, you know, some, a 2019 release or just shrug at them and tell them this is an impossible question. What have you been talking about? Yeah, the fourth option I think isn't isn't that's the what I would say no. I mean, <laughs> I think if someone asks you any question that sort of shows a desire to right, right. get into any literature, it's not fair to, you know, basically 
condescend to them in some way to, right. to the degree of sort of being like, well, it's so complicated, I couldn't possibly answer your question. Uh, or it's, you know, it's an undefinable, you know, right. genre, whatever. Um, and then I, I think the other three are all valid. What, what kind of responses did you get from people? All right. Well, so the, the winner of the survey with about 150 votes was Mafuz era classic, but not by not by a tremendous amount. But there were probably more, even more responses than there were poll answers. Um, you know, there were there were a lot of people who objected to the question. <laughs> Um, That's because you have a lot of academics. Yes, it was mostly (laughs) academics who objected to the question um, or gave absurd answers um, or said, you should tell them they have to learn Arabic if they want to read Arabic literature. Um, But one wouldn't give that. I mean, I don't think because this question also could be asked of French literature or any literature. um, Where do you start with Russian literature? What would I say? Arabic literature is slightly different because it encompasses more. The other ones would be more like a national literature, right? right Often the, con- right. the country corresponds right. to a language. So already Arabic literature, it is. Un- it is. You're running into this issue of uh, sort of representing a region, and I bet you that that happens also with, say, like African literature, or, right? Right, like. That in a way, European literatures, there's a one-to-one correspondence in translate, like it gets, you know, there's Polish literature probably, you know, but but then when we look at other parts of the world, probably the categories kind of expand. Right, right. It's, it is a bit like asking, where do I start with Asian literature? Like, what? I don't know. Right. Although in Arabic, though, there is one language, right? So right. there is that... Um, uh, Although rarely would you come across anybody, and I'm not that person either, who has really a grasp on the entire region's right. breadth of literature. Sure. Uh, I, I See, even you can tell by my questions, a Mafu-era classic, I'm right. already leaning, you know, putting my elbow on Egypt. Well, of course, because you live there, and it's your, and, and it is sort of one of the ones that you're, spe- you know, specialized in. I mean, but I think there's ways... I think the answer will always be, you know, personal. You know, this this is where I think you should start, right? Right. It's not, you know, for me, the books that I'm going to think of are going to be the first books that I started reading. And because I moved to Egypt, (laughs) that was the first Arab country I lived in, I disproportionately... It, it you know the books I'm thinking of are still Egyptian books or right. the literature that I'm the most familiar with, but I think it's normal to be the most. I mean, in my case at least, it's so that I'm sort of get interested in literature partly because I I end up in the place um, or get interested in a place. You know, I don't think I would have started reading Egyptian literature if I hadn't moved to Egypt. For some people, that's different. They're well, I'm, the, I'm sort of the opposite. So I get interested in a literature. I was interested. I think, you know, I arrived in Cairo, and I had my Proustian sort of... I, I was obsessed with Mufuz. I went to Cairo. Mm. And then... And then For me, it was the opposite. I moved to Cairo, and then I'm pretty sure one of the first novels I read was the trilogy... And it was being there suddenly made me so interested in the in the literature, and then the sort of being there and the reading kind of 
complemented each other, right? right? Like the book became so much more interesting to me because I could sort of put it in relation with the reality I was living in. And the reality was sort of like enriched by the book. Um, I mean, I think personally, certainly you could put Mahfouz on any list uh, for sort of starting off in Arabic literature. Right. The other thing is me personally, I've like never read much of the classics at all. So I've always read sort of mostly modern Right, contemporary releases. Not contemporary, I mean, you know, going back to like the, you know, maybe 19th, 20th century. Uh, But but, but I am not, I've never read a Mutanabbi. Or a Jehez or... Like excerpts, maybe, you know? And again, I'm sure that that's very, uh, that's also like a very rich place to start. But I think, you know, if someone was interested in, uh, you know, if someone said, where do I start with Italian literature? Like, I could tell them read Dante, and that would be a great recommendation, too. But they could read contemporary or modern Italian literature and get, a, I think, you know, enjoy it, analyze it. And most Italian, not, it's not that all Italians have read Dante. Have all Arabic readers read Mutanabbi? Have all American readers read Shakespeare? I don't well, think that. Well, but, but you ju- do swim in this environment where you've at least heard bits of. I mean, sit down and read an entire. Read Mutanabbi's whole corpus. No, definitely, probably not. But, I mean, you know, you swim in this environment where you've heard snippets of Shakespeare and you, you know, that informs how you read. Um, I, I did, you know, I, I do think that there's, you know, something problematic with saying, you know, go back to the classics. because Especially as a starting point, I think you're going to, that's not what most people read in any, it's just not the kind of thing that a lot of people read. And usually when they're asking for a recommendation, they're thinking novel, short story, maybe contemporary poetry, right? Right, like, right. I mean, otherwise you're basically asking them to take a class on literature. Right. <laughs> Right, right, yeah, yeah. Well, but if they're asking me where do I start rather than just, you know, Googling the latest release, right? is that what they want? They want some sort of introductory class? Well, you could, I think, again, you have the opportunity to sort of make a lot of little succinct points in this, in your, in whatever response you come up with. So one of them could be to mention one of these these well, older I think, classics yeah. and to sort of say, say it's by a 1500 the way, year yeah. literary tradition right it's not your newcomer like english or french right and and if if there's also like a kind of good accessible translation um you know especially like if there's a if there's a if there's an if there's a version out there that's also enjoyable to read right well yeah i don't I, when i did this in 2010, like a million years ago, I went around asking, I don't know, maybe 20 different people to name the five books that you would read before you die, including you. I asked, you were on the list. See, I don't remember at all. <laughs> you, definitely, I remember that you said Yusuf Idris's Cheapest Nights, uh, which isn't even translated. So you were super cheating. And um, and you recommended... I, not just his short stories in particular, that story in particular? You said, well, no, the, the collection, Cheapest Nights. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you said Ibrahim Ikoni's Bleeding of the Stone. I love that book. It's a beautiful book. And then I don't remember. Pro- the I think probably, probably Mahfouz was on there. I'm not sure who else. 
I think Idris's short stories are like amazing. Idris's short stories are amazing and underappreciated the way that short stories generally it's are. It's weird that they haven't been. They're not available in translation. Um, some they're like scattered. Dennis Johnson Davies did this. Um, the essential Yusuf Idris, like he did this. The essential Nagib Mafuz and the essential Taha Hussein, but he did it sort of at the end of his life, and it was sort of like. Mm. He just grabbed a bunch of stuff that was there. They're so sharp. They're so dark. Yeah. I mean, there are just some amazing stories. If somebody wanted to gather, do fantastic translations of Yusuf Idris and reissue, it yeah. would be amazing. When I did um, uh, my, so my master's was on sort of like portraits of the city in Egyptian literature, and he has this short story called like kind of like the the bottom or the dregs or something uh. of the city. I think it's Kaal Medina. Mm -hmm. And it's just this incredible tour de force story that you don't know quite where it's going of this upper middle class judge who sleeps with his cleaning lady and then she steals his watch and then he goes across Cairo to find her and get it back. And so it sort of moves through from the fancy neighborhoods down to this like you know, the abject poverty that she lives in. But it also gets into, um, I mean, the guy, even as he's sort of slowly seeing the circumstances under which she lives, he never questions his right to get back. To go get from, his watch back. To go get his watch back. Um, but there is, I think, authorially, like, it, there is such a reflection on, like, power dynamics based on gender, based on class, based, you know, and these sort of spatial, you know, differences between different parts of the city. I just, it blew, me. I'm just being blown away. Yeah, no, I, now that you mention it, I can think of a number of stories where the characters move through different spaces that they're walking and that you see these landscapes pass and change and that that is part of, the, and his endings, I think he, he has some really powerful not just surprising, but just, um, you know, the prose of it just twisting the world on you and sometimes frightening me. Right. He has a lot of twists. He has a lot of, like, sharp ends like that. There, There is something, I think, sort of cinematic about right. the stories. Some of them have been made into short films. I can't think of one that's been successfully made into a short film. I think I've seen a short film of The Chair and maybe some other ones. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, they they are in many cases cinematic. It's surprising. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, those are very good. I'll have to go back. I can't remember what I answered that, to that question of like other other than other than. Well, him. I think uh, uh, the majority answer was Taib Salah's seasons of migration to yeah. the north. Yeah. Um, the second uh, biggest answer was probably something by Mafuz. People had different opinions about Mafuz. Um, and then there were all kinds of outliers. Nobody chose anything contemporary. I mean, nobody chose any. Oh, except for maybe Sinan Antun chose in the presence of absence, which was a pretty new Mahmoud. You know, yeah. At that time, two thousand ten. I would definitely think that you could put Mahmoud Arish on the on. I mean, that's. I wouldn't like have put in the presence of absence only because I think putting. Somebody had told me, just don't tell them Edward Harat. Like, w w had I ever said I was going to choose, you know, 
way out there experimental. Oh, I, so, but I love it that you got answers of people like, just absolutely don't start here. <laughs> I mean, that's why I think these conversations are enjoyable because we all have very strong feelings about and it, it, the things, the books that we've loved or not loved and, and wanting to share them or not share them. <laughs> Right, right. Like, okay, I won't. Um, You know, so there's probably I would choose something that feels accessible. You know, know, if if I'm being asked by an individual, obviously I want to reflect their own personal interests. If they're into really dense and difficult poetry, okay, got it. Um, I can can do dense and difficult poetry. But if it's just for a general audience, I I mean, uh, what is it called? Journal of an Ordinary Grief? Darwish has some other prose that's, mm-hmm. well, see, other people have told me it's not accessible. But what about, like, memory for forgetfulness? Right. That's pretty That's pretty mind-blowing, and right. I think it's accessible. Right. And, I mean, that's a really, and that's available in English. Right. I yeah, mean, well, I was surprised at myself that mostly I suggest prose. Um, I, I guess I expect that that that's what they're, wanting is an answer of prose but why wouldn't I say poetry it's been well again and it's like when you start to think about it you start to also try to be kind of because again you're not tailoring it to a single person which is easier right when I first hear the question the way I visualize it is like I sort of I sort of visualize someone at basically at a dinner party turning to me and asking me right okay so right. that's more the way I sort of imagine is the dinner party loud no. Okay. No, it's like right. pleasant okay. and you know we're we're sitting around and you know I don't know we're talking about the things that we do and someone kind of asks this question. I think some people more visualize it a, a more formal thing like I visualize I'm standing up at a podium and I can't see the people out there. Um, and somebody with a microphone asks me, so where do I start with Arabic literature? Oh, yours is terrible. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I have nightmares you about have, this, actually. So that is a lot higher stakes. Right, and so then I'm, like, frozen on the stage, and right. I picture myself oh, with this kind of stunned look. Right. I mean, I still feel a little pressure at the dinner party because it's, you know... They've, well, if you give if, them the wrong answer and they hate it, they're never going to read Arabic literature again. Right, and if, like, I've, you know, if they've just been asking me what I do and I'm, like, I review books, you know, mostly about the Arab world, and they're like, oh, okay, so what should I read? If I then I sort of, like, hem and haw, it seems like I, you know, don't, you know, I should have an answer <laughs> considering that's what I've just said, you know, that's more or less my focus. So I still feel some pressure to come up with something. Okay. And I don't have like a pat answer. You'd think you just reel it off and uh, I really don't. It's hard, I think, to to recommend reading when you care about when you want the recommendation right. to be right. Yes, yes, yes. I want them to love it. Right. And and if they don't love it, I'll be crushed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then also, but when you get into sort of um so so without knowing what the other person likes, when you're sort of trying to give a general answer, you're also probably, I think you, you try to cover, okay, here's a novel and a short story collection and maybe some poetry, and I'm going to do different periods, uh-huh. and also maybe not all from the same country, right. and it shouldn't all be men either, which is like always an issue I find a little bit. You know, every book I've mentioned so far is by a man, and I know that there's not only, but a lot of the, especially 
earlier classics and books that I love, you know, there is a high proportion of male authors. Right, right. Well, and particularly also there's an imbalance in, tra- in what's translated as well. Right. Um, you know, you could start with Huda Barakat. Um, you, could, uh, you could start with Radwa Ashur. You could start with her Siraj. Um, you know, there are, there are obviously. And uh, uh, after Nadia and uh, Renem and I, well, it was Nadia who did entirely all the work, put together this 100 books from 1956 to now that have been translated Algerian literature into English. Right, this amazing well, uh, master list you guys have compiled. I did, in consultation with her, also put together this six books, Where to Start with Algerian Literature. And that was much easier. Well, first of all, so we only got 100 to choose from. It's much more manageable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have it all spread out in front of us, you know, rather than I'm trying to think, well, uh, what what's even out there? Um, and, you know, and then we, you know, we did want some balance, okay? Um, y- you know, something, Tahar uh, Wator, uh, Asya um, Jabbar. She's the one I've always wanted to read. Yeah, well, she's on our our list of the six books uh, we we chose, well, or I chose, I can't remember. The Tongue's Blood Does Not Run Dry. Maybe maybe Nadia let me have agency there of which, which of her books to choose. And I chose, oh, short stories. And, and it was actually, it was difficult. So there's only two women on the list of um, six, unless you want to count Yasmina Khadra, who... <laughs> You know, as, as a guy with a woman's pen name, but then if you go, I to don't a, think that counts. If you go to a, but if you go to a book event, he'll like say something like, "I have a woman's spirit." It's not just why did you use a woman's pen name. He's like, says something funny about gender, and well, it doesn't doesn't ring with me at all. So I can't okay. remember what it was, but it was very silly. And uh, but but when we were looking through these hundred books. We we found that there were only seven women who were translated, and only one woman translated from Arabic. The other six had been translated for Fran- from French. Mm. So the huge, overwhelming number of books that have been translated, particularly those translated from Arabic, were were men's novels mm. versus women's novels. And you know, Nadia's focus being Algerian literature. You know, she could name many Algerian women. Arabophone writers who should be translated into right because for me the question always with that is what is the percentage of female and male writing in the original language right, right. and so is there already not an imbalance I would, I would guess because there's, there's, there's probably not yeah, 50, sure. 50 big yeah. errors, and then you add a layer of further kind of discrimination in the translation right so and then you like end up two, with very little yeah 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 I mean uh, across the board uh, I think the statistics. All languages translated into English. Uh, Chad Post has, has this database, and I think it ra- it's about thirty percent. So worldwide, uh, it's thirty percent women and seventy percent men's work translated into English. So, and Arabic is, I mean, Algerian literature is particularly male-dominated in, in translation for whatever reason. Um, but Arabic literature in general is also approximately between. 20 and 30 percent in a given year, women's work to men's work. Mm. Is that changing now? Like, is the percentage change shifting? I haven't seen the percentage shift. Um, it, it's funny because, you know, 
many people perceive that women are overweighted in uh, in translation, and I think it's sort of overemphasized that when somebody is, oh, look at this is a novel by women, and um, but but numbers wise, it's it's still much more men men's literature that's translated. Yeah, although, I mean, my impression, for example, somewhere like Egypt was that there were just more books by men every year, right? There are men, much more literature produced by men. Um, But even among the the literature that exists, for instance, I mean, it depends on the genre, like poetry, for instance, contemporary poetry, there are a lot of really important, I mean, if, if you go through all of time, yes, you definitely will see men's literature dominant, probably like most places in the world. But cur- contemporary poetry, women, women's voices are maybe more important, more prominent than, than men's. And th- that's not being translated. It's all, all the poetry that's being translated is into English is men's poetry. I I don't I it's not I don't I don't have any conspiracy so, theory about no, it. No, it's just weird. And also I feel like the I wonder I mean, I have like multiple questions about this. One being did the translators themselves used to be mostly men and now cuz now I I know of more female translators and does that make a difference? Like right. do women trans more often are they more likely to translate the work of women? And then the bigger question is do you know, do you think translators have a responsibility to kind of notice these things and try to go look, try to kind of write these imbalances a bit? You know, I think the traditional view is just like a translator kind of just reads and picks something they like, and but also often has a certain rapport with the author. Like often they'll meet in person, right, or right. you know that's how they'll get aware of their work. So um, yeah, no, my conspiracy theory about Yusuf Idris is that he wasn't that likable, and that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, personal things have have something to do with it sometimes. I think, um, and then really, so you relate to the work, but I think sometimes it's also you relate to the author a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so that may also be one of the reasons that women are a bit left out. I mean, I think it's harder for women to do some of the, not networking is a terrible word. I hate, but you know, social, the socializing around the profession, around the writerly profession, then is a very important part of it. Yeah. And yucky. Well, not necessarily. Yucky. I don't like it. <laughs> well, come on. You know, you go you go talk with writers, friends. It's not necessarily all yucky. Like no, not that part of it. But if one were to be pr- promoting one's own writing, that part is oh. exceptionally difficult. There are some authors who are very good at it. Oh, at promoting themselves. Yes. Yes. And I well. I think I think that is the largest factor in getting your work translated is being a good self-promoter. Oh, yeah. Well, but you you basically have, like, an extreme allergy to self-promotion, so it's really not going to... You don't like it, right? Am I right? Yeah, kind of? Yes, yeah. yeah. And I'm very ambivalent about it myself. Yeah. But it, it does get you far in life. It does. It does. <laughs> um, but so, okay, so we're just going to, like, not answer really the question of where to start with Eric literature, but you did write something. I did write in the something, end. yes. Okay. And I think I think it's an answer that you should actually, maybe you shouldn't have a boilerplate thing. Maybe you should have to sort of think it up on the spot each time, 
let it change a little bit each time. Oh, I like that idea. Although, you know. It's more work. It's more work, yeah. But you know that, like, there'll always be something that you read kind of recently that you might throw in. There'll always be a couple that you'll stick to because, you know, right. you really like them. And, you, and also, depending on people's response to your suggestions, it sort of will evolve a little bit over time. Right. Well, I think maybe the most important part is to say something that I'm passionate about. You know, not like, well, the right place to begin right. is with uh, whatever seasons of migration to the north because it's yeah. well it yeah. was voted the blah 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 right exactly no i mean i i feel like the thing that the thing about the question that that touches me is that you know you you want to succeed in giving the person something to read that they will be as moved by later on as as you have been right, right. so um yeah, and although without terrifying them at the beginning. For instance, I thought of saying like Mustafa Khalifa's the shell. Like, no, maybe that's not a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a hard one. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit brutal. Yeah. So I I won't say that. <laughs> that's not where you should start. Yeah. All right, and then but then you have these. Uh, these great introductions like the one you're doing for. Algeria, yeah, like so the one you've done for Algeria, and I think you're working on some I'm, other ones too. Morocco is next. We're currently working on that. So we're trying to assemble, uh, with the help of several people, uh, a, a list of all Moroccan literature that is available in English translation, whether originally written in French or Arabic or Tamazight, if we can find any that's been translated. Um, and then from that giant list, yeah, I think, I mean, I think, you know, for bread, I mean, I think I can guess some of the things that will be on, on the list to, of where you might start uh, yeah. already. Uh, for bread alone, I actually reread recently, and it is good, but it is also kind of like a, a hard, kind of a little bit of a hard one to get, harder than I remembered. Huh. Um, I mean, in the sense that it's it's dire, right? Like eighty percent like right. of the book is just really brutally sad, kind right. of more than I remembered. I think when I was young, I just kind of you, right. You're, yes. The momentum yes. keeps you going, and you're less sort of somehow. I think w- when you're a younger reader, sometimes you are less. The suffering in stories is less real. I think it was for me a little bit. I, I don't know. I think I find it harder now. But it has one of the most moving endings. Right. So, yeah, so we're putting together these complete, I mean, hopefully, as complete as we can possibly find, uh, of Algerian um, was first, and then Moroccan we're working on currently, and then Tunisian will be after that, and probably then Libyan after that. And, yeah, and then uh, probably either die on the hill of or entirely skip trying to manage all of Egyptian literature that's been translated into English. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible service. It's an incredibly useful thing that you guys are doing. I don't, I don't think anybody else has done it. No, it doesn't seem like it. So I think it would be useful for, you know, academics, scholars, reporters. Yeah, just anybody. As a re- and as a reference to, to you know, when, you, when you're interested in it. I mean... Um, 
so in, with Tunisian in particular, I think there's very there isn't much translated in right. English. Right, so that will English. be uh, that would be good. That's good for me because it'll be more manageable. <laughs> and 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 one of, and I, I sort of came up against that recently because I went to I was on this reporting trip in Tunisia a couple of weeks ago, and um, often when I go to report things, like I sort of read a fair amount before, during, and after, and sometimes can like work the books into even like a more um, sort of journalistic piece and I kind of love doing that like I think my ideal assignment is you know reading a bunch and then going somewhere and then some and then making those two kind of mm. talk to each other mm. um, but I I so I spent like an hour in this bookstore in on uh, Avenue Bourguiba in downtown Tunis one of the like great ones and with an incredibly patient and helpful uh, <laughs> bookstore assistant and I couldn't they had almost nothing in the store. I had nothing in English. Right. But so I was kind of looking for books that maybe were also available in English because I, I kind of, for me to write about it for an English language publication would probably be necessary. Mm. And there's just so little. I, and I just don't know that much about Tunisian literature. There seems to be quite a bit of interesting um, nonfiction too, like scholarly work, like essays and analysis and and works of history and sociology and so on that that are that are very intriguing um but in i i'm not very familiar with like tunisian writers and then it's it seems to be very francophone there are i mean hasuna masbahi ines abesi there are some Tunisian, uh, uh, Rashida Sharni. But so then they, I don't know if they're being translated into French. Into French? Oh, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. I just wasn't sure really where Actually, to start. You know, and I when spent I, a long when time. When I look at the Prix de Literature Arabe or whatever it's called, I can't remember seeing any Tunisian writers shortlisted for it. Yeah, I think it's a pretty small literary scene. So there aren't, I, I at least, there weren't names or titles that I had already heard of a lot before. And so right. I could just kind of immediately be like, oh, yes, I've, you know, I've, this is, this is being so familiar that I probably know I should pick right. it up. Right. Um, I mean, one of the only writers I sort of have in my head, but it's much older, is um, Memni. Memni, yeah. Pillar of Salt, that's available in English. Uh, but 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 contemporary writers, I was I was that person. I was like, where should I start? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? I mean, I was also looking for something kind of specific that would speak to some of the to the article I was writing. So I was also kind of looking for a, a certain type of or something that was both contemporary that was available in translation. My article is partly about women's rights, so I was also looking particularly for something by a woman or that had a sort of some feminist concerns so for that was for the article but then I was also just looking generally what is a book that I feel like I have to buy mm -hmm. you know and and it's true that I was just I was a little bit at a loss and also I've gotten a bit more conservative because I have so many books that I haven't read right so right. now I'm like you can't just buy three books because you're in a bookstore and you have to be serious about reading it <laughs> like I just you know I have there's just too much that I'm not getting to. Uh, really, I see I read an article recently that said it's healthy to have books on your shelf that you've never read. Why? Um, I can't remember. But, <laughs> but I, I felt that that resonated with me because it's, 
you know, it felt like a good excuse. I think it's great to have surplus, but but what I what I find unrestful is to have books on my shelf that I know I will never read. If there's books on my shelf that I'm like that, I can't wait to read that someday when I retire. Uh. But but when I have books on my shelf, probably I'm never going to read that book. So I feel like it's not in its home. It, it's being wasted. That is so you lovely. Know, somebody would enjoy reading it. Somebody wrote it for it to be read. And then it's just sitting on my shelf. You know, it's in the wrong place. Maybe it's sad. <laughs> exactly. Aww. I know. It's just, so it, it's just this like weird book guilt that I feel about having it. Um, so that also makes me not. What I ended up getting at the bookstore partly also because it had just been so lovely to me that at the end I was like I have to. Buy well, yeah, now book. you can't. I have to can't buy one walk book. out without buying we anything. We talked for you know a long time. As I did get a book that I wanted uh, as a reference, which is um, uh, it's a translation of this book by this uh, Tunisian early Tunisian progressive religious scholar called Tahar Haddad, who. People have mentioned to me like, many times in Tunisia, and so he wrote this book that um, sort of quite ahead of its time about w- women in Sharia and society. I think it's called uh, Our Women in Sharia and Society, I think is the title, um, where he sort of argues for very progressive uh, interpretations of the kind of arguments that people are still making now and are still almost beyond the uh-huh. pale. Um, and he he was... Uh, he died young and after being attacked by the whole religious establishment and stuff. So that and that book, I'm happy to have, even if I only read a few sections of it. It's it's sort of something I wanted as a reference. Sure, you so. might need it. Yeah, maybe that's how I feel about some of the books on my shelf. I might need them. What do you know? Like there's a battle or something. They're like my tools in the background. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like I had that. I had Cairo trilogy in storage for a while, and it was making me panicked. Like not to, I mean, what do I need it for? I don't know. Yeah, but I had to go get it out of storage. And I mean, there are books that are almost talismanic that way, where like they sort of feel I I want them as objects in my house, kind mm. of. You know, like I'm attached to the book. It means a lot to me. I mean, also your bookshelf. I feel like you know is a little bit. I don't know. For me, it kind of represents what I like. Uh, you know, you, you sort of rearrange it over time. And and frankly, it reminds you what you like. It's like half the time you can't remember. And, you know, when when I was thinking about this, uh, what we were going to talk about today, I just was standing in front of my, you know, you just stand in front of your bookshelf and go, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I do miss that because a lot of my books are in storage. Mm-hmm. So. There, my Sabald is crunched into a box. He's feeling very sad, for instance. Uh, oh, where yeah. are they? In the They're States? in Minnesota, yeah. Uh, yeah. In boxes, but... Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to lug books all around the world. Yeah. Um, well, listen, shall we talk a little bit about the iPad? Yes, that I was think. The, in the uh, International news. Prize for Arabic Fiction, which... Uh, a lot of people still call the Arabic Booker, despite uh, now more than 10 years of being scolded by the organizers that this is the International Prize for Arabic Fiction, not the Arabic Booker, um, announced their shortlist uh, this past week. The long list is 16, and it uh, has been coming out in January, and then the shortlist is six. Uh, this is the first year that... There have been more women on the shortlist 
than men. And although I did see, you know, um, sort of a kerfuffle when the long list came out that women were overrepresented and they were making a quota and they were forcing this, um, I got into any number of Twitter arguments about it. Mm. Uh, the, women I really have too much power. You know, that's the problem. <laughs> um, but I think if you look at this list, um, I mean, who is going to argue with Huda Barakat being on, on this list for her book, The Night Post? Uh, I dare you. I double dog dare you. Um, and that is coming out in 2020 from One World, I believe. Um, and then Anem uh, Kashashi, this is her third time on a shortlist with The Outcast. And you could definitely criticize her, the American granddaughter, for being on there. I think there's a lot of problems with that book and weird uh, stereotypes. Um, not just about the American characters, but also the Lebanese and Egyptians. Um, and I think she really stretched to write, you know, not she's like lived between France and Iraq to write about Americans. Mm. You know, there's a lot of sort of beer can remote control, like I watched an American sitcom kind of thing going on. In there. Right. But this, this is hardly the first. I mean, but that has nothing to do with. I mean, there's plenty of male authors who've done similarly. Oh, that's nothing to do with her yeah. being a woman. Um, this, but this book, um, I, I think anybody could be pleased to see it, to see it on the on the long list. Um, uh, Adil Asmat, he's not, Adil is not a girl. Mm. Um, uh, the Commandments, he won the Nagim Mahfouz medal for uh, Tales of Yusuf Tadros, which Mandy translated. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And so he, okay. This is his latest novel. And uh, and also, it, it, it's a small publisher that makes it on the list, this is their first time being on the list. Um, one of the, the criticisms that I do think is valid of this prize is that it's dominated by a handful of publishers and part of that is structural because if you've been on the shortlist four times you get five submissions i don't know there's some very yeah, there's complicated this weird, weird thing where you sort system. of like um you get you get points you get for having one, done it for having right. been on there before um right you get one submission if you've never been on there before if you've been on the long list once you get to i don't Okay, it's very complicated, and I don't know it off the top it's, of my yeah, head. Yeah, and the, it doesn't make any sense. I feel like every year they should be just be starting out fresh looking at the books that year. You shouldn't get, like, weird uh, credit for having been on it before. Right. Well, so they, their argument was that publishing houses were being started up just in order to send to the prize. So and what? my argument is, yeah, okay, you already stole my argument. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, but so, you know, they're saying, well, some of these small new publishing houses send bad novels. Like, well, it's a really bad novel. Read five pages of it and toss it aside. Come on. Yeah. Let's. I mean, the problem is hardly that there's like too many publishers, I don't think. Um, you know, it was getting to the point where I think 180 novels were being submitted. Well, so give the judges more time or I don't know, but. Or have a, I don't, yes, or, or have some, uh, you can look at some other, I don't know, you, you could con- reconsider the submission criteria, I suppose, in some way. You could have some recommendation system, or I don't know, but. Um, well, I, I, I like the open mm. system rather than, you know, the criticism of many of the English language prizes, or particularly in England, is you, you have to. It's like a $5,000 submission fee. So mm. for smaller publishers, that becomes 
so I would hate to see that yeah, with yeah. the International Prize for Arabic Fiction, that there's some sort of, you know, you have to contribute to the to the fund of having these books yeah. promoted. Yeah. Um, no, okay, cool. I uh, like Shahla Ujaili the- is another one who, this is her second novel um, on, on the... The list. Summer with the enemy. Right. And her, a sky so close. Well, in Arabic, it was a sky so close to our house. And uh, in English, it was translated by Michelle Hartman as a sky so close to us. Um, And yeah, I talked to Shahla recently because I was working on a profile of her. And I did ask her about do you think there's a quota for women writers? <laughs> she was like, what are you talking about? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So she doesn't think there is one. And, and she's a, a lovely, thoughtful, and she comes from a very literary family uh, in Raqqa. Her, must have been her great uncle, uh, although she called him her uncle, was a famous novelist um, who even had a New York Times obituary, so had international profile. Um and uh, and her her mother, you know, worked on memorizing poetry with her from a, from childhood, and her father was an architect and wrote about uh, architecture and, and city ancient, the restoration of ancient cities. And then she studied Arabic literature, and she also is an academic. Uh, but you know, she just she speaks very. She's one of those writers who speaks very interestingly about about the process, and she's mm. won a huge number of awards in this very recent period. So she was. 2016, she was shortlisted for the IPAF for this novel that just came out in English translation. 2017, she was the second winner of the Al Muqtaka Prize for the Arabic Short Story. And then now, 2019, her next novel is also shortlisted. Um, and is, I think, you know, is she still in Raqqa? No, she she's in Jordan. She, okay. uh, she teaches at a university in Amman. And I think she's been there for quite some time. And a lot of the strong criticism of her 2015 novel that was on the 2000 um, Sky So Close to Our House is there's uh, a woman at the center is a woman who's uh, undergoing cancer treatment while her family is is in Raqqa. Uh-huh. And the criticism was that she's making parallels between personally having cancer and living under war. And the, the character Jumena, she feels that it's worse to have cancer than to be in Raqqa. And, you know, my reading of the novel is that was Jumana's point of view. And as she's dying personally, that was personally more important to her than even her family suffering under war. And she later felt guilty about this. Um, But I think it rubbed some critics the wrong way. Um, For me, it was very powerful from page 100 to the end was very powerful from, from when she got cancer to the end was a very powerful exploration of of trauma and in its sort of different manifestations and how it it, it can sure sure trauma can make you selfish uh for some other people it it felt politically icky i guess hmm. well i'd have to i mean i'd have to read it but right. at least it, it sounds like you know it takes courage as a writer to go to these places and to have characters that risk um, being political, being being unsympathetic, unsympathetic. I uh, think in some ways Chumana is unsympathetic, and yet at the same time, well, she's having chemotherapy. Yeah. Huh. Well, that sounds interesting. And what's the premise of the of this new summer new with book? the enemy? Is is uh, 
is a much more of a historical novel, although part of it does also take place in, in contemporary Raqqa. I, you know, I think she's, as she talks about it, you know, she's very interested in going very tight on the individual during wartime. So she doesn't, she doesn't want to have large narratives. She doesn't want it to be political in the sense of polemical. She doesn't want to explain the war. She just wants to zoom in on one thing that's happening to one person during this time. Hmm. And you have an interview with her up on the blog or coming? No, um, I wrote a profile of her that will appear on uh, Deutsche Welle whenever it will appear. I don't, I don't know. I okay. did take some of the questions that I asked her. I did a, like a cutting room floor bit that I did put up on the blog. So uh, because I asked her a lot about her favorite writers and what she read growing up and, and that sort of thing. And it doesn't make the piece at all. So I just yeah. took that and made it into a separate thing, and then that is. So you can already find out which writers she likes. And then on uh, also on Monday, I, w- I have a long interview with Michelle Hartman, her translator, okay. about the process of translating the novel. Uh, because, you know, I had my own opinions about how certain things should have been translated, and Michelle has very strong opinions about how things should be translated. I mean, we don't, we don't argue or anything, but... Um, we ask questions, and we maybe don't have the same opinions always. Mm-hmm. Well, that's to be expected. <laughs> but that's interesting. I mean, I have to say that's sort of sort of a writer that you uh, one hasn't heard of until a few years ago, and then basically largely through this process also of the prizes suddenly uh, has a profile. and Yeah, that's also something she talked about that doesn't make any piece was this pressure of... One of the downsides of this prize is suddenly, you know, she she won a prize, a state prize in Jordan, because um, she, she was a she was living in Jordan, and I think she had like a small reading public, but to suddenly be on this world stage, I, I think was a lot of pressure, particularly about her next book. Mm. Um, and, and you know, she saw that as one of the downsides of the prize, that it could really crack you. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, but that can be true of, of various forms of sudden success that one in you know both wishes for and right, right. possibly you know can be overwhelming. Um, is there anyone else that's interesting so there's as a, a as a you know Kafal Zobi? Um, she's Jordanian and. <laughs> And she's largely been oriented towards translation in Russian. In fact, one of her books was only published in Russian, and I would really would like to find that. And it's mm-hmm. been ages since I've read Russian, but I, I think it's still there. Um, and she's been shortlisted for a book called White Sun. And then there's one Moroccan who made um, the, the shortlist, Mohamed Mazouz. What sin caused her to die? And I think that's his just his second novel, and I don't know him at all. But his first novel did want win some Moroccan state prize. And uh, when is it that uh, the final the winners are announced? I believe it's April twenty fourth. I will be in Abu Dhabi on the ground will for you? the announcement. Yes. Wow. So, um, do you get invited to that? Well, I have I have to be in Abu Dhabi for the uh, to give some talk to some publishers on the twenty sixth or something ish. 
anyway, two days after, so they, I asked them, could you please bring me in a couple days earlier so that I can attend this event? Um, oh, well, that'll be fun for you, right? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, um, the mo- the thing I really enjoy is cornering, this is cornering the judges uh-huh. and, like, interrogating them about choices that they've made. That, uh-huh. that, for me, is my favorite part, so... I hope none of the judges listen to this because I like to surprise them. <laughs> they probably do. They probably do. Well, that's well, certainly the former judges now. They're like wary of me. They see you coming at the cocktail party yeah. and they're like, uh-oh. But these new judges, I don't think they know me yet. Mm. Well, we'll have to have a dispatch uh, after you go there. You'll have to tell us like one, you know, the sort of overall scene and then whatever. Uh, whatever t- gossip I, exactly. I pick up on the ground. I'm sure there'll be plenty of that. There always is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, there was a kind of a, there was a piece in Haaretz, uh yesterday that was an overview kind of, of, I mean, it was meant to be just a, a shortlist piece, but she, she sort of salted in all like, including way back to gossip about the 2010 prize or which I can't remember which prize it was that Aloea Sob there was a big thing of oh we know she's gonna win she's already bribed somebody uh and because so-and-so one of the judges is her friend and she ended up not even making the short list uh for actually what's a very good book but Uh, so this article is repeating like unfounded gossip from 2010 that doesn't yeah, sound like a yeah. great overview, actually. That just well, it's kind like... of, yes. I mean, it, it, it could have been a little more saying, well, this gossip turned out to be... Yeah, not true. Not true. I, I mean, it is interesting, all, you know, people. some people boycotted the prize after that for something that I don't think there was any evidence that it really was going to happen, that the prize was going to be thrown to her. Um I think there's just always a lot of drama around because there's, you know, there's a lot at stake. Oh, it's a and, big thing at stake. It's yeah. not the $50,000 because there are much bigger money prizes. It is, but this this is the big prestige prize. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's interesting. I, are you going to, do you think, read, are you going to try and read a number of these books? Between yes, now yes. And- yeah, this is, it is good because you get 16 in in January, and Which to try is, and read sixteen books between January and February is like what? No, 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 no. Definitely the short list. I'm 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 interested in the Hoda Barakat. I'm interested in the Adol Ismet because I really liked the tales of Yusuf Tadros. Or I yeah, I thought there was like a lot of parts to it that were quite interesting. So I'm curious what he's produced next, and then. Probably now you've made me very curious about the the Syrian writer, the right. woman who's from Raqqa, maybe. Um, yeah, well, I'm going to hopefully take the train to the Casablanca Book Fair later today, and I will bring this oh. shopping list and see oh, which yeah. I can actually obtain in paper rather than... Oh, yes, it's always right, way better. PDF. That's right. I'm not going to the book fair this year, I don't think. Well, you've got plenty of time to decide. It's just started. Yeah, but uh, I have I have a feeling I have a feeling I'm not I'm probably not going to make it this year. Did we go? Did we go together a year or two so. ago? We Mm-mm. didn't. Mm-mm. No, I went by myself last year. Oh, I did see. I did go to meet Kenza. I met some people there that you right. I think I'm maybe getting you mixed up with her. Anyway, maybe <laughs> no, 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 my t- my two most bookish friends. That's all. Um, well, uh, okay. Well, so you'll have to tell me how you find it if I don't make it. Okay. 
and uh, and uh, or otherwise I'll, I'll 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 see if I can pull it off. Um, and I think we'll just wrap it up there for today. Yeah, that sound good. Yes. All right, we'll enjoy the fair later. Thank you. Are you going to have some, like, giant suitcase full of books to drag back on the train? I will, actually, because I have some other people that I'm buying for as well. So um, I was thinking of a backpack, but maybe... I think you need a little... I might need a roller bag. You know, the serious shoppers at the book fairs have the roller bags. That's true. They really do. I'm just worried about the train, but... Okay. Well, it's like a couple steps you gotta get up, All right. but I can handle it. It'll be better for your back. Right. All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.